this idea of trustless trading where you can put something for sale and I could just buy it and it just works. Kind of always been the issue with counterparty and, you know, sending stuff to dispensers. And if somebody beats you to the dispenser, you get kind of rug pulled or you do get rug pulled and have to like hopefully get your money back from somebody else. Emblem just solves that. Emblem Vault was in contact with the creator or the guy who's running Bitcoin Punks so that hopefully we can get some of the metadata spruced up to make sure that people are safely trading the right Bitcoin Punks. Oh boy, man. What a freaking morning it's been. Good morning to you, Adam. How are you feeling? Let's go. I got my ordinal shirt on today. (laughs) Already has ordered one already, huh? All right. Let me, uh, we got some of the gents here today. I will let it fill up a little bit. Uh, I'm assuming Leo's probably sleeping with some of the, oh, there he is. There he is. I just invited him up. Dude, I have to say, I have to say, Leo, man, we had that Twitter spaces uh, yesterday, that NFT. Now I went and had dinner, went out for dinner, came back, and he was still on a space. <laughs> Dude, just non, non-stop ordinals. Yeah, these spaces go for a long time. It's, uh, it feels, I don't know, it feels like the start of like, uh, I don't know, just any of these kind of moments where like people are just on 24-7 on these spaces. Dude, it's hilarious. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. So I figure we'll probably uh, focus on that for uh, the morning. I woke up in a frenzy. I saw saw Bitcoin punks selling on uh, Emblem Vault. I saw more of them getting vaulted. I didn't really know what, what was happening. For now, it seems like it's safe. I think Obi, who's one of our resident... Uh, historical NFT devs and wizards uh, seems to have uh, put together an article, which we'll cover here in a second. Uh, Adam, you're a little bit more of an expert on this, and we'll cover your uh, verification. I'll pin up here in a second. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the thoughts of, of Emblem Vault times ordinals. Yeah, I think mainly it's about the ability to trade trustlessly, right? Um, OTC trades are just notorious for people getting scammed. And when it starts getting into these kind of um, punk prices where you're talking about a Bitcoin or more than a Bitcoin, like significant cash, uh, yeah, there there are people to trust in the space. But that said, it's just why would you do that if there's an ability to, you know, to, to have a trustless system in place, right? I mean, that's one of the reasons I think a lot of us believe, you know, OpenSea and Ethereum really took off this idea of trustless trading where you can put something for sale and I could just buy it and it just works uh, has kind of always been the issue with counterparty and, you know, sending stuff to dispensers. And if somebody beats you to the dispenser, you get kind of rug pulled or you do get rug pulled and have to like, hopefully get your money back from somebody else. Um, You know, emblem just solves that. Right. And so I put out a thread uh, earlier this morning Obi helped me with that to just, you know, if people want to use Emblem Vault, they can put their ordinals right in an Emblem Vault. Uh, we put out the thread to, to show how people how they can verify that the actual ordinal they're interested in is in the Emblem Vault and then just do the sale trustlessly on OpenSea. So what, tell us what, what are the risks? Uh, I know we mentioned just a few days ago that there is some concerns onboarding it or either they're faulting it and then unvaulting it. Um, tell us some of the specifics about it. Yeah, I mean, right now, the, the, the well, the significant risk is that you get scammed and buy a vault that doesn't have the ordinal that you actually want. Uh, that's the main risk. And for that, the first thing is you really have to be careful and check the uh, OpenSea 
to make sure that it's an actual legitimate emblem vault vault. Um, people will create scams um, on OpenSea that look just like emblem vaults, but actually aren't emblem vaults. So in my step-by-step -step on that Twitter thread, like there's one there to, to check the collection. So if you scroll down, you'll see the check the collection on, on emblem on uh, OpenSea to make sure you're actually on the emblem vault OpenSea, mm -hmm. which, you know, has, you know, 30,000 ETH traded and yep. stuff. So that's a critical step to make sure you're not getting scammed that way. Uh, yeah. You'd want to just basically hover over the emblem vault um, link and it'll show you the kind of volume and amount of uh, items. And then, uh, walk through the steps of actually confirming that the ordinal you want, you know, whether it's a Bitcoin punk or whatever, is the one that's contained in the the emblem vault. And that's actually pretty easy. All you're doing is you're confirming the Bitcoin wallet address of the ordinal with the wallet address of what's in the emblem vault. It's actually really, really simple. And once you learn it, it takes like 10 seconds to check and um, you'll get matching wallet addresses for you know the ordinal website and the emblem vault and uh you should be good to go after that it's just a simple open sea transaction yeah i saw him i'll pull up obi's uh article here in a second where he actually quoted the the one that we had created for for counterparty and there's actually a lot of similarities um as i look at this we're confirming it and i'll, I'll provide some emblem updates at least um from what i've heard so far uh, Bitcoin punks seem to be a popular collection. I know there's an auction that's happening too as well. Uh, do you need to run a full node to be able to vault these or unvault them? No, I mean, really, if you like, for example, if you bought one, um, you could make sure that, I mean, if you wanted to buy one, say on, on Emblem Vault, you could tell the, the person who actually owns it, hey, create an Emblem Vault. They'll send the ordinal into that Emblem Vault and then you would just confirm that that ordinal's in the actual emblem vault, and you should be good to go. Um, so for for newbies like me, who you know want to make sure and and be, confirm that they're buying the the ordinal in kind of the safest way, that's the way I'd recommend it. Um, there are other ways, but you know if you're doing it OTC, you're you're basically at the mercy of the person selling to not rug you. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't recommend that unless it's like a trusted, you know, if you're buying it from Obi, okay, I would trust that you're not going to get rugged. But, um, you know, anything over a certain what you're willing to lose, I would never do OTC. All right. Uh, so we have all of our guest speakers on stage. Everybody, make sure that you uh, share the spaces. We could get some more people in. Uh, make sure that you share Adam's pin post so that everyone can trade safelessly. Uh, Ethord, you have your hand up. Good morning to you and uh, what's on your mind? Hello. Yeah, I have a question around the whole Ornals thing. Obviously, the buried entry is a little high right now, but um, was able to get one on Sparrow Wallet. My understanding, though, is if it's on Sparrow Wallet, you don't want to touch it. You don't want to try to, to vault it to emblem um, that's what I've been told. Wondering if anyone knows differently. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ba basically, what, as far as my understanding goes, Sparrow's being used as this way to like hold it until it's kind of all figured out, um, uh, which is fine. Uh, Emblem in in reality is kind of in the similar boat. Basically, the Sparrow wallet and an Emblem vault, a Bitcoin wallet, are very much the same, and so. 
what's going to end up happening is um, basically like if you were to uh, crack the emblem vault or unlock the emblem vault and because you wanted to get the ordinal back on Bitcoin, you would get a Bitcoin seed phrase. And with that seed phrase, you would be able to basically right now put it into uh, an ordinal wallet. Um, and that would allow you to then move that ordinal safely because really now the only real way to move an ordinal safe, safely is by using an, the ordinal wallet, right? Which has this like very, very specific granular way to separate each individual sat. So you can be sure that when you send it somewhere, that sat that contains the ordinal or contains the inscription uh, is the one you're actually moving and doesn't get you know, sent to the miner as a fee, right? So, so the idea right now, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but, you know, basically these are holding wallets until the tech gets all figured out for like, okay, what's the best way forward? But these wallets are secure because we know that you'll be able to import those seed phrases into an ordinal wallet. That's for sure. Um, so if you never, if you need to move it in the future, you definitely will be able to. All right, perfect. I just want to also reset and make sure that you guys know this is our weekly show, uh, Friday mornings, where we cover collecting NFTs, Emblem Vault, historical NFTs, and some of the news stories. Uh, if anybody would like to come on to stage, uh, just go ahead and request to make sure that you raise your hand when you want to speak, because we are also simultaneously live streaming this on YouTube, so there might be a slight delay. Uh, Flame, you had your hand up. Uh, go ahead, brother. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, just want to say, first of all, thank you guys for doing this. It's a confusing times and exciting times for a lot of people who are curious about this. I know I've been trying to rattle off as much helpful and uh, useful information as I can about this because I just don't want to see people get wrecked um, because this is so speculative and so high risk, um, but also high reward, you know, depending on what you collect. And if you're just into being a part of this history, you know, I really tried hard to get one in under 10,000, this weird little drawing I made. And right now it's sitting in a Sparrow wallet and I'm afraid to do anything with it because I know that it's not in an Ordinal's wallet. So I can't send it anywhere anyway. So um, that question was already asked, but I'm just kind of wondering, like, is that the directive right now just to sit tight? And then uh, the other question I have is what auction are y'all referring to? Is it the same one that's happening in the Imagine Discord with the Red Zane uh, silent auction? So the, the auction that I was referring to was the one on Emblem Vault, which here I'll pull up here uh, in a second on the, on the video live stream. I think that was the first ordinal to actually make it to Emblem Vault uh, yeah. itself. So uh, Adam, I think you might have some more comments on it, it look like. Yeah, I, yeah. The, um, just to your, to your wallet uh, question, uh, yeah, I believe the best, the best advice right now would be to, to sit tight on it um wait for wait for further instructions i mean i think you know um the thing is right now like if you got a bitcoin core node up and running and had an ordinal wallet installed on your computer and could do everything like you could just basically take those private keys from your sparrow wallet and put them into an ordinal wallet and you'd be good to go you'd be i mean you could do that today right but to do that you have to have a full bitcoin core node up and running which is like, trust me, it's a lot of work, right? Um, so you're probably not going to want to do that. Um, so you, right now, the best advice is kind of hold tight um, and wait for somebody to build out something that works without having the full uh, Bitcoin core node running, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, totally. I have the Bitcoin Core uh, node running, but I have uh, a lot of trepidation in terms of trying to set up the Ordinal wallet myself. Yeah, my, my, my advice for that would be, look, hey, do some do some more, make some more. Uh, actually get the Ordinal wallet up and running, get comfortable with it, mint some, right? That you're not going to be bummed out if you lose, right? And uh, And play around with it and get comfortable. I mean, I think there's there's great benefit in in running the no, the Bitcoin core node and and all that sort of stuff. And so get it running uh, and play around with it. You'll be ahead of the curve. But I'm sure I'm positive there are going to be other solutions in the coming you know weeks that will enable people to be able to trade without without running the full node. Sure, yeah, no, that makes sense. Thanks so much for that. I already have an artist's name a name artist's uh, artwork inscribed as well. And so I'll definitely be looking forward to figuring out how to safely bring that to market, as well as we're also working on uh, getting a documentary and uh, some unreleased music from a name artist. And it's like, it's crazy what we're trying to get on there. So I'm excited to figure out how to get it all distributed safely. These people move incredibly fast. So for the live stream, I pulled up the, the auction on Emblem Vault that happened that began three days ago by Droplister. It's uh, Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z says over 9,000 in ordinal inscription 9380. So a sub 10K top bid right now is 0.24 ETH. Dogfather, our expert counterparty and doge party analyst. Uh, I know you've been diving into this uh, recently and you're very familiar with Bitcoin. Uh, GM to you and uh, what's on your mind. Hey, GMGM. So I'm really looking forward to that. So um, I was just. All right. He's got, like... he's got, he's got kid problems. Over there. <laughs> hey, I... <laughs> I know that well, man. I remember. Well. Pain, brother. Yeah, got some got some priorities. So I also <laughs> just pulled up. This is what I woke up to with a bunch of questions. JPEG Master apparently made the first ever ordinal sale using Emblem Vault, purchased Bitcoin punk number 8679 for 0.6 ETH. So it might be an all-time high for now. Ordinal inscription number 20,192. Uh, so congrats to you, real JPEG master. I know there's been a few other vaults as well. So this will be this will be something that we watch closely over well, time. Well, we're cer certainly seeing a lot of movement in the punks, right? I mean, I've had collectors reaching out to me uh, tried to negotiate some deals this morning. Uh, thanks for everybody for taking my uh, DMs and stuff. I, I I often act as kind of an intermediary um, between collectors and uh, and other collectors, really. And so uh, we tried to negotiate stuff. There was a lot of back and forth, but if it was for high end uh, punks and those those kind kind of get sticky, where you try and figure out, well, I want some, but I don't want all, and it's the back and forth, and no, I want the, this one and that one. So didn't get one done, but but there are definitely some some negotiations taking place um, OTC to try and get some of these these distributed to collectors for sure. Yeah, I saw this morning actually that there was uh, another large Bitcoin punk sale of about four Bitcoin for about about I think it was a bunch of hoodies. So uh, Leo, your your buy of two point whatever Bitcoin for the aliens and apes is looking pretty good right now. Yeah, it's interesting. So I saw. I'm not gonna say who because I don't know if they're public about it. But uh, there was a there was a bulk deal that went down for uh, some Grail. So there's an alien. There's a hoodie eight. There's the seed phrase punk. There's some other like zombies in that 
And uh, yeah, that was definitely a decent deal that went down there. And um, yeah, it's like you're just scrambling. This is like kind of the moment where if you do want to get something, these things were 10 bucks to mint 24 hours ago. So they're like, this is kind of the moment to, to get them because they're just in that exponential kind of price discovery curve. If you do think the collection actually is going to have long-term value. And, you know, to me, it's not necessarily just because it's CryptoPunks or something. It could have kind of been any 10K collection. It's much more about uh, just that there's these 35,000 inscriptions uh, and then there's 10,000 of them are these this collection. And to me, that just, that narrative, like, you know, this is a collecting you know, historical kind of focus space, like that just resonates a lot with me, obviously. Um, it's the first, the first big collection like that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Dogfather, uh, maybe you're finished with some daddy duties right now. What's, what's good and what's on your mind? Man, GMGM, you're never finished with that, but now she's never, bro. <laughs> Our good girl should do that, you know, once, once daddy is talking about ordinance. Um, so, so last week I thought these ordinals are just something you know you don't have to really dig into. But once you start reading, man, I have to tell you that this is really maybe really something really big. So I'm completely with you guys. Um, so that that could I mean you also see you know the recognition on on crypto Twitter. I mean everyone you know really literally everyone is talking about that. Even you know guys like Farrakh who just did you know their their mint. I mean they they also talk about that. So nobody can you know. Um, deny that this is something who knows where, where we are in like 10 years with that but it, it looks super interesting and i have a few more comments later you know more specific things uh and i will raise my hand and then we can discuss it further yeah i think the um certainly it's touched a nerve with with the bitcoin community uh who often want nothing nothing to do with nfts like zero right and this is kind of like touched a nerve in the way that you know, they may not like counterparty. They may not like Pepe's. They may call uh, XCP a, a shit coin and all this sort of stuff. But this was like, oh, wait, what's this? And it, it raised uh, it raised some eyebrows. I mean, if you look at that Ordinal's Discord, I don't know what they have. I think it's like 12,000 members already. Uh, I mean, it exploded. It's already dwarfs any of the historical NFT groups, right? So it's, I mean, obviously... You import the entire historical NFT community into that group, right? I mean, I think we can all pat ourselves on the back for kind of bringing this to the forefront. Um, but then it's just all the kind of Bitcoiners have piled in, which is incredible. Yeah, it's really cool to see. There's going to see a lot of a lot of innovation. Uh, let's dive a little bit deeper into kind of the philosophical approach to this. I am seeing uh, a lot of upset NFT and crypto people, um, some DGens on there discussing um it's almost like a counter narrative of, you know, some people are calling these historic, some people are not calling these significant. Um, wh why are some people buying these punks? Um, some people might be buying it because, you know, it's crypto punks. I see a lot of um, large accounts saying, you know, crypto is very unoriginal. We're just taking the same traits from different derivatives of the derivatives, like the ordinals punks, for example. It's a derivative of mutant punks, which is a derivative of something else punks, which is a derivative, right, of regular punks. Why are these going for high sales? Is is there is there any reason to be concerned that the that these punks uh, are not legitimate or are people buying it for the low inscription number because of some sort of like cultural significance? I mean, I'll I'll chime in here. Like, do I think it's historical? No. I mean, right, these are like four days old, right? Um, <laughs> but but do I do I think it 
potentially has impact in the future. Like, yes. I mean, and that's why I'm, I'm excited for all NFTs, right? I mean, I think we're all here for NFTs. We're here for Web3, right? We're here for this development. And we, we've been talking for two years about, you know, where it's going to move, where it's going to go. And it's going to go in surprising new ways, right? And this is a surprising new way. Right. And that's why it's exciting for us, certainly in the historical NFT community, because, you know, our bags are packed with old NFTs. But we realize that, you know, future NFTs and the future of Web3 is a requirement if our bags are going to be worth anything. Right. We have to move into this new Web3 future. And that requires kind of innovation and growth. And so, I mean, that's why I'm excited about it. Like, I think obviously the main driver is, look, this is on Bitcoin, right? The, the most solid chain, the chain everybody in the world knows. And that's why it has this like hype. Like it could happen on Dogecoin or our Doge party, uh, whatever, but it wouldn't be nearly as impactful because it's just, it's Bitcoin, right? And that's the main driver. Speaking that about Doge Party on Twitter, I actually saw some people discussing if this was possible on Dogecoin to do inscriptions, and they Supposedly, said that it is. Yes, it is. They said they would have to create a new block explorer, I believe, um, of some sort. That would be absolutely wild. Uh, Mafiko had his hand up first, so uh, good morning to you, sir. Uh, how you been? I've been good. I'm mean, good. Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Great, great. Um, yeah, no, doing doing well. Um, just caught up on all, on on uh, all things. Uh, Ordinals actually have been at an entrepreneurship uh, academic conference all week, uh, and people have been discussing blockchain and and slightly uh, NFTs and hype, which has been really really interesting. So when Ordinals came through, uh, and not no one at the, at the conference knew about this, um, so it's been it's been a kind of thrown a spanner in the works for some people. Uh, interestingly, in terms of their research and what they want to do uh, going forward, I just want to respond quickly, uh, Jake. Your, your your question about um, you know people saying Bitcoin punks and is it unoriginal uh, and the this the sort of the, the notion that is a derivative. My view is that in in on on one hand, I do feel that perhaps there is a bit of a lost opportunity there where. Um, ordinals and the protocol itself could have carved out its own distinct sort of niche, oh, no, not even niche, but distinct kind of emergent story around the, the types of NFTs that, that rose to prominence. But on the other hand, I mean, it, it, it really is telling that why like punks have been chosen uh, and why punks are, are popular. And so I kind of think about it is you, if you're, if you're, if you're building a new house, you know, you, all houses, like the, the foundation of most houses, of most houses is the same, right? You, like you use concrete, you use like just the, 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 the same materials. So I kind of look at it that way in the sense of paying homage to punks, punks being what they are, everyone knowing what punks are. Uh, it only adds value to the punks as well um, as, and really solidifies their places like, you know, we talk about historical NFTs and there being earlier projects, but in 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 the cultural and in, in society, the cultural consciousness, it's like that is that is a collection. So it's 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 great to see, and I'm looking forward to seeing over time how the Ordinals Protocol um, carves out. Yeah, that kind of yeah, I I absolutely. Feel. 
I la- absolutely agree. I think if anything, um, all these punks derivatives, um, punks have been as stable as Mooncats that have been sitting at pretty much the same floor for about six months. So uh, whenever they're ready to move, man, that's going to be quite a God candle uh, at some point in time. Uh, Leonidas was next. Uh, also, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit of just your thesis behind uh, acquiring all those punks. I mean, I know you've gotten a lot of flack. I've seen it. I've seen the, the Leo haters come out um, as they usually do. Um, you know, for, for different, uh, for a variety of different reasons, uh, what's, what's good. Yeah. So I tried to put out a thread to just be as absolutely transparent as possible because I didn't want the narrative to be, because it wasn't true that I just wanted to like copy punks or something. Right. I wanted to buy these copy punks. Like that was not the case. Like had somebody put another 10 K collection that was innovative or new, like I would have done the exact same thing. Um, I, I just, I very much, uh, value, the, the idea of like a low inscription. Okay. So um, I'm very much predicting there to be a similar kind of situation as you get to any of these like infinite supply style situations. So in crypto kitties, the first hundred are the founders, right? That's the most uh, highest, highest, most coveted, uh, most valuable crypto kitties in ENS, you know, the, the 999 club, that's like the most uh, coveted, most expensive ENS names. And you basically uh, just end up with like human psychology playing out here. And in my opinion, the narrative as a collector of something being like the first hundred on the protocol when there's like, you know, 10 million or something, I think that's probably like the most uh, exclusive collection, like the most coveted collection. Um, And the fact that Bitcoin punks are a 10K collection in the first 35,000, there's just no 10K collection that can compete with that narrative just from the purely inscription number perspective because that's very much how we're seeing these markets play out right like the number one factor is what's how low is the inscription id is it sub 10k is it sub 1k is it sub 100 right and then secondly you know obviously the actual collection and the art matters too like we're obviously seeing a premium people are buying rocks for someone trading an ether rock for a bitcoin rock yesterday wow yeah (laughs) Yo. So, you know, people are putting a premium on certain collections. Like, absolutely, the actual assets in the collection matters. But the number one factor is totally the it's totally the inscription ID. So I just put out a thread. I acquired uh, inscription number 69 uh, a little bit ago. Wow. And, nice. uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's a meme. It's a meme called the alternate currency meme. It's, like, been a, a kind of meme in crypto for a while. And, uh, yeah, I mean, basically, the logic here is, like, pretty simple like it's exactly what i explained like it's a first hundred i think like those hundred will be the flex like it just kind of seems like you know i'm not really having to you know go i don't think it's too much of a stretch to kind of come to this conclusion we'll see um but yeah basically uh as far as like the opportunity size i see a lot of people wondering like you know are ordinals too big are we topping right now all this stuff like to me it's like a zoom layout okay um if you think ordinals, like if you think this ERC721 style protocol in Bitcoin is a big deal, okay, and you think that there's like room for the protocol to grow, um, I'm just going to give two ratios that kind of tell that story. So right now, the ratio of the market cap of all Ethereum NFTs to the market cap of ETH is 1 to 10. So the chain where a bunch of NFTs have found their home it's 10% of the value stored on that chain, more or less. Probably a little less because there's a lot of other tokens, but one to 10 ratio for, for uh, that, right? 
And then on ordinals for Bitcoin, the ratio is one to 4,000. Wow. So, yeah, I'm always you looking at me. My, my slow brain didn't get that. I don't have a, I haven't had enough coffee yet this morning. <laughs> yeah, so okay, imagine. Yeah, imagine for me, explain it again. Yeah, imagine, you know, you have this market cap of Ethereum. It's $180 billion. Okay. And then there's a market cap of all of Ethereum NFTs. I just said it was $18 billion. I might okay. be off by a little bit. Okay. You end up getting a 1 to 10 ratio there, right? Gotcha. You know, digital, gotcha. digital objects on the chain to currency on the chain. Gotcha. You know, the ratio is 1 to 10 for gotcha. Ethereum. That's and what a mature a on Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. So that's what a mature kind of situation looks like after it plays out. Interesting. Yeah. So on ordinals, it's one to 4,000. So it's just a very different story. We're at around a hundred million market dollar market cap right now. To me, that is infinitesimally small relative to the Bitcoin and the potential liquidity. If you know, you know, that Bitcoin basically flows into digital objects on this chain more. Yeah, it's uh, how I've been thinking it too. I know a lot of people have been upset about the prices, but it's just like the early ETH days of early 2021 where everything was denominated in ETH. Everything's denominated in Bitcoin, right? That value is what I think there's, I think it's like 13 ETH to one Bitcoin or something around there. So those prices can get even more ridiculous than uh, a floor 500K for some, for some monkeys. Uh, that's actually, it sounds like a pretty good pickup. How I've been kind of thinking about this is actually very similar to Namecoin, where some of those, like the very earliest of all the different collections are very valuable. The the May, or what is it? The April and May dot bit addresses or some of the first IDs. And then there's kind of like this lull period between 2011 to 2014, where there's a handful of assets that are kind of unique. They're one of one. They're iconic because they were either the first on-chain digital file or whatever the case is. And then they see, and then you see this explosion happen in 2014 on Namecoin with uh, the creation of one name where you start seeing Twitter eggs and all these different avatars uh, being tokenized on, on Namecoin. And that's kind of how I think that's going to happen here is these early inscriptions. Some of them will be very valuable, probably the early some of the early collections. There will be a little period where the attention moves on. You'll see a lot of uh, radical development. And then we'll see some project that kind of sets a precedent, uh, employs or uh, yeah, employs some some sort of model that most people begin to copy, and uh, that's where I think a lot of some a lot of the value will be. But some of these early ones, uh, it's a pretty good play. Uh, Flame had his hand up first, and then Chain left and Dog Father. Yeah, I'll just make this really quick. Um, I just want to say thanks to everybody up here because you know, like I said before, this is. Uh, very new, very uh, risky, and to already see a thread with uh, these detailed instructions on how to uh, purchase things through Emblem Vault is so helpful. It's something that I plan on sharing with other people. People have been asking me, like, how do I do this? Like, what do I do? How do I do it safely? So, um, you know, it's developing so rapidly. And the fact that you guys, you know, who are obviously very respected uh, blockchain our historians to begin with are so enthusiastic about this. I think votes speaks well for ordinals. Um, and, uh, you know, I just hope everybody can be polite. You know, there's a lot of vitriol. This is very polarizing. And I hope that, you know, people who are dissenting can still remember to do it in a kind way because, uh, you know, one of the things that's interesting about this is that it's developing at an exponentially rapid pace. And it's thanks to all of the development of blockchain art that's, and, and cryptocurrency that's happened before it. 
So there's going to be a lot of wild stuff going on. There's going to be a lot of hot takes, but hopefully we can all respect that, you know, even if this isn't for you, you can still be nice in terms of the way that you mention that to other people, especially to the people who are into it. Totally. I I appreciate that. Cause I mean, honestly, like I've told people like, look, Hey man, do I think it's insane that something minted, you know, two days ago is selling for a full Bitcoin or more. And I'm like, yes, I do think that's insane. Um, But at the same time, I also recognize that I've been wrong many, (laughs) many, many times, like all the time. And so I don't put it past collectors when they're like, no, uh, I want more for this. You know, I've, you know, I've come with offers that I thought were way more than fair. And the person was like, no, no. And, and this is like some life-changing type money stuff. And the person's like, no, you know, things that he minted for $10 two days ago. Right. But am I right or wrong? Like, I have no idea, honestly. And that's when it gets into this like value proposition and stuff. But I think we can all, even, even the kind of hardcore, uh, historical nft maxis will agree that this is interesting uh technology and certainly brings in a lot of bitcoiners into the nft space which i think is awesome yeah the the innovation is is quite interesting remember when when uh me you leo and a few others were talking with casey back in i think it was september last year we didn't even bring up inscriptions all the time we were just talking about sat tracking right putting serial numbers on different sats so this actually like caught me kind of by surprise i wasn't really aware of it i know you've been You've had conviction, Adam, the, the whole entire time. I do want to note before I move on to chain left that uh, I was in contact or Emblem Vault was in contact with uh, the creator or the guy who's running Bitcoin Punks um, so that hopefully we can get some of the mat- metadata uh, spruced up to make sure that people are safely trading the right uh, Bitcoin Punks. I think part of that has to do with uh, collecting all of the inscription numbers. I think once you get that, that's pretty much done. But we'll give a, an update on Emblem and a little bit on uh, some of the features that may come in some of the other utility within the company. Chain left. Good morning. Yeah, good morning to you guys, I guess, <laughs> for me, uh, evening. Uh, <clears throat> how are you guys doing? Yeah, just a, a, a few things that I picked up and I took some notes and I'm just going to kind of try to go over these. What you just discussed recently about, uh, you know, the valuations and the collectability and, and whether it's insane and so on. Uh, like, I, I think you, Adam was like, he, he, what you said was really good, I think. Like how, you know, I've been wrong before, right? That's the thing, like to, to, to all these people who call, oh, this is like the biggest scam or like it's the, you know, I don't know, what is this ordinal? It's just like a fake counterparty or whatever. Uh, to me, this sounds like, I mean, just show some humility is what I want to say to these people because uh, I honestly like agree with you guys that like, I, and then this is something I really wanted to discuss. This is the main thing I wanted to discuss. Like what is the actual, you know, innovation we're talking about here? I actually wanted to talk about the real, like the benefit, what is the over and above benefit that inscriptions are bringing uh, over and above uh, what what counterparty can do or what Ethereum can do? So so I would love to talk about that. Uh, and then there are like, I think there are nuanced conversations there as well. But, you know, before having those conversations, just calling everything that is somehow going to some high evaluation through some high period. And I agree that it's a, it's a high period. Um, just calling that scam is like, it's just, I, I find this like almost like they don't know what they're talking about because it's in the end, people value different things, right? Like collectors are collectors essentially. They they value things in different ways, and and if they really see value in 
ordinal as a technology or, or descriptions of the technology. And if, if you know, that will really have a future, then of course it makes sense that the early attempts of that technology will have some value, right? I mean, there is no, I think that second part has no really debate in my opinion. Uh, I think what is maybe more tricky is the evaluation of the first part, whether you actually see the future of ordinals. And this is what I really wanted to discuss with all, you, you, all of you actually here. Like uh, today I was thinking about it, like in the end, yeah, like you could have done the, um, you know, NFTs on, on counterparty. You can even do like one of ones, right? You can actually issue a token with one supply and put the artwork there. And in fact, while it's extremely rare, you could do even on-chain storage using counterparty as well. So there is almost like, uh, okay, so what is the innovation, right? Like that's kind of the question that I feel like people might be seeing. And and the way I see it is, uh, and I try to kind of go through, I did a thread, another thread today, and I kind of try to go through it almost like in a step-by-step way. Um, so so to me, it's, first of all, you realize that the on-chain storage on inscriptions is extremely cheap. Like when you compare between the two, like counterparty, for example, compared with counterparty or Ethereum, is extremely cheap. Like it's like 90%, 95% almost discount on that. And then, uh, then we were talking about it yesterday when I said that Joe, uh, Joe Lurie, he he came up and said like, well, yes, but it's it is discounted, but OP return is more robust because OP return is like it has to be downloaded by all nodes in the entire Bitcoin network, while uh, ordinals are actually stored in the in the witness data, which doesn't have to be actually downloaded, so it can be pruned. Uh, so immediately that kind of sparked like, yeah, I, I know about this, but it, it kind of reminded me that, okay, well, if it gets pruned, what if, what if ordinals actually aren't that permanent? Like what if, you know, people don't actually download that? And that's why I asked that question yesterday to Joe, like, how, do we know what percentage of the node operators are actually downloading that data? And the answer was like, yeah, well, it's the default setting that you don't prune it. So probably right. 95% of them are downloading it. So, so then, then basically, my my valuation comes essentially boils down apparently to this, right? Now we have this way, a very elegant and simple, I would say, way to uh, to produce artwork and have NFTs, NFTs on chain NFTs uh, on Bitcoin, with like the twenty percent of the cost, but with ninety five percent of the permanence value. Let's say that that we would have had with the with with op return and to me that's a pretty good deal like uh, that, that's that's for me like an immediate uh like direct value that comes from this new technology and the other th- the other side of it is that it, it creates this ordinal itself is like a i guess you could call it like a protocol i mean it's a theory but you know it, it creates this sort of um almost like an infrastructure that that creates the an elegant way that you can trust, right? Because on Ethereum, for example, you have sometimes smart contract risks, sometimes, you know, you have those different things, while inscriptions are a little bit simpler, I think. So that, that simplicity can also be, I can see that it being, being appealing as a, as a method. But at the same time, you know, from the other side of it, and that's why I, I want to call this like a nuanced debate, you still can't do a lot of things that you can do with it. Like you, you still can't do with inscriptions, a lot of things that you can do with Ethereum NFTs, right? Like you can't do these like, uh, you know, massively collaborative composable contracts and you can't do these like, uh, you know, like interesting burn mechanics, like burn to mint and stuff like that. Uh, you don't even have tooling to be honest. We don't even have marketplace. This will probably come, yeah. but I thought the thing, like, I think even in, even in the end, you won't be able to do the, 
like even after a few years, you won't be able to do some of the things that we do with Ethereum smart contracts. So I just wanted to say like, you know, this, this debate is nuanced, but I, I just wanted to say that like there, there is clearly something unique that is bringing to, to the market. And I, and I understand why people are valuing it as want to say. A highly speculative bubble. We see this with every NFT project, with every new protocol. Uh, Dogfather, you had your hand up. Uh, what's your, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, just wanted to, to add a few details. So for example, if you talk about inscription numbers, you have to bear in mind that many of them are duplicates. So I found out today when I was going to the Bitcoin Punk website, I was just finding out that my hoodie punks that I inscribed, which is second or third, so basically not like the first. So if Leo is talking about 35,000, where the 10K um, Bitcoin punks are included, you can at least say subtract five or even more thousands of kind of multiple or duplicate inscriptions that don't hold any any value or let's say v v less value so what we typically do as data analysts is the first thing we drop those duplicates and just look at unique observations and i think then we are uh, way below and um, then the other thing that's worth mentioning if you check out the uh, inscriptions for, you know, I was just looking at the, the Bitcoin punks uh, just because they have a lot of data. So they have the JSON file on there where you can basically check uh, when was the first Bitcoin punk minted. And it's super interesting uh, to check that out. So, for example, uh, in the first 100, there are just two, uh, one alien and even uh, below 10K uh, of inscriptions, there are only three. So they are extremely, if, so if you're able to have one of these early ones, um, they are very few. And then, you know, um, Leo was talking about them and, and, and Sean was talking about that. And then, you know, it was it was uh, booming and then minting out soon. So it's pretty, pretty interesting to look at. So which kind of um, Bitcoin punk you're looking at and what is, you know, the the um, relative rank uh, in, in, in that order. So I think that that's two, two details worth having a look at. Yeah, that, that is kind of the interesting part I had thought about because there is going to be multiples. And I believe the method that they used for the official Bitcoin punks is kind of the first in, first out method. Whoever inscribed the first punk that was related to, I believe the IPFS or wh whatever the, the commonality was between the ETH collection is what they deemed to be the punk in the official collection. Of course, anyone can go and mint as many punks as they want afterwards, which is what happens on Ethereum. And so Desktop Commando, who's on the live stream, actually puts a good question into the chat, which I don't know if I haven't heard it discussed yet, which is uh, how much of the IP confliction will there be in the future between CryptoPunks on ETH and CryptoPunks on Bitcoin? Because it is the same image. It is the same hash. Uh, I don't know. Adam, have you heard anyone talk about this on any of the live streams or any of the spaces? I haven't heard it on live streams. I've definitely seen people tweeting about it. Um... My my question is, uh, who's Yuga gonna sue? Right? <laughs> it's like uh, this was basically. I mean, yeah, the guys who got it organized, um, you know, they minted the most, but basically, random people were minting these. So, you know, this doesn't seem like a likely uh, court case to follow up with um, because it's kind of this decentralized minting process. So, I find it pretty unlikely. Yeah, I think so as well. Who are you going to sue the protocol? It's like what the government's trying to do. Just Maybe. sue any protocol, <laughs> shut them all off, right? Close the staking services for the centralized oh God. companies. Yeah, but shout out to Coinbase. It seems like they are going to 
continue on with it. Uh, yeah, desktop in the live ch chat, uh, GM to everyone in there putting in some good questions. There is a lot of different interoperability being researched at the moment. There's people experimenting with Counterparty, which Joe Looney does with the storage. Obviously, you have Emblem Vault here. Uh, I don't know what other protocols or things will be built on top of it. It's quite interesting. Uh, one, pro one project, and then I'll call on you, Leo, here in a second, which I've been watching, and I think these are actually going to go for probably <clears throat> so much money that people are going to really just get really angry, is these big... Bitcoin shrooms. Have you seen that project? It was actually the first. It was the first project inscribed. I think it's they did the first it. shrooms on the blockchain. Yeah, right. <laughs> they uh, they had so they minted these. I believe all of them are sub one hundred, and some even in the first ten. And they haven't sold any yet. And you can even go and see this person who did it had a a podcast episode with Casey like back in November. And so they've been kind of building this and. Whoever has this conviction to see this happen and mint those below and still not sell any yet, man, this person's going to get massively rewarded. But to buy a mansion probably after they're done with this one. Leo, what's good? Yeah, the Bitcoin trims are interesting. They, uh, this is like, I'm curious y'all's opinion on this because there's two collections right now that have kind of this claim that they're first. So the like rocks, right? These 100 rocks, there's 100 rocks minted in the first like 200 and like, 50 inscriptions basically so that whole collection is minted first but before the first rock was minted like eight of these shrooms were minted now the shrooms collection doesn't finish until like inscription 900 there's 200 of them um, inscribed you know much further so it begs the question of like which one gets to say they're first or do we like both have to say the nuance with the claim or does it really even matter um yeah there's I, quite I, a bit of nuance right it's like if you had well my project was only one uh nft so therefore mine's my project's first right it's like you get into all these sort of nitty-gritty um details right uh yeah i don't know i don't know if we can claim one for sure well there is there is so there's kind of two things that are happening at the same time i think if when you look through just like the historical NFT space, it's generally whoever minted the first token uh, is generally who gets that provenance of being first. But then counter counterintuitively, uh, recently with the on-chain monkeys thing, right? They completed their full set. Uh, I think just like a few mints right before, uh, right before Bitcoin punks did. Although Bitcoin punks started way before, so you kind of have this like nuance within both of them. I would say whoever minted the first token um, gets to be take claim as the first. Uh, I think on-chain monkeys was the first complete 10k to be minted, so there is some nuance, right? We're just very familiar with with these kind of nuance, but I would say whoever minted the first one um, gets to be the first collection. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I guess we'll see. I don't know. Someone's gonna get really well, rich. Well, so off Jake, this. that then then my counter, and I I probably agree with you potentially. I don't know exactly. I think both both collections have a claim here, in my opinion. Um, but you know, if that's the case, then you know, theoretically, you know, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of like individual pieces that minted their first piece before both those collections. If those if those uh, inscribers come now and release, you know, a, you know, the mm -hmm. other ninety nine in the thirty thousand or in the fifty thousands or something, is that now the first collection? Because like you know, Rock Toshi could totally make the argument that like um, you didn't complete your collection in time. Basically, yep. I mean, I, I think there it is an interesting debate. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, I, I don't know your thoughts on that. I think, uh, I just, I, I don't think there are right answers in this stuff. You know, in the historical NFT space, I just, I, a long time ago, I stopped. 
in the car, right? It's- yeah, I, th- th- I think this kind of slides down the like intentionality debate. Like, was was there an intention to to close off the collection? Did did the Bitcoin shrooms person state as they're minting like how many were going to be in the collection? And then and that's they- where it gets sketchy because there's like a set of like eight, and then there's like a huge gap, and they look different after the first eight. And I'm not sure there was a plan. And this stuff is not on chain. Right. Well, I can tell you for certain, I was the first that failed to mint a collect. <laughs> so I have that moniker. Uh, I will, I will, in, in a couple of weeks, uh, I'll come out and tell you guys what I was planning and mm-hmm. hopefully we'll get it, uh, we'll get it all sorted. But I had grand visions. Uh, uh, failed of epic proportion, man. It's, it's can we, so can we, can we, can we? Can we inscribe Adam's uh, incompetency to figure it out and fade generational wealth? How do we inscribe this Bro, into an ordinal and, and package it so hopefully you can get some of that money, potential earnings? It's so painful. Like when I miss like, and we all miss, like we all miss, right? Mm-hmm. But like missing before was like, I missed Ether Rocks. And then, you know, I didn't realize how bad I missed until like four months later, right? So it was like, oh, it, the pain was lessened. This was like a week later, dude. And the, so the pain is so deep. Stings. So deep. And, and the pain of this, this is the one that really hurts, was I had people right at the beginning who knew I was trying and, and got good guys in the Discord were like, bro, just let me mint you some right now, man. Just tell me what you want. And I was like, no, I'm going to do it. Don't worry, <laughs> about it. Don't worry about it. So I missed all the early ones, man. All the ones I could have had early, bro. The pain is so Adam, I, it's it's pretty much, in my opinion, essentially like missing minting crypto punks. Like you got to inscribe for five, ten bucks. It's literally minting crypto punks, more or less. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, it, that's brutal. And I'm with you. It's literally that, but it's compressed between 2017 and 21 <laughs> for four days. <laughs> yeah, it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's brutal. Yeah, the uh, I had the same situation. Like I was looking at the inscriptions. Like Casey sent me a link. And I just kind of glanced over and there were like 15, 20 inscriptions and I just glanced over it. You know, it's like, I, I was thinking, Oh, I'm, I'm too busy to like spend an hour looking into this right now. I'll, I'll get to it kind of thing. And then, you know, before you know it, it's like the, the price just totally, I don't know. It just, it's, it's been an exponential curve and you know, it, there, at some point, you know, you feel like you kind of missed the boat a little bit and I, I'm not quite there yet really. Um, you know, that's why I'm obviously still buying but I totally understand like it's, it is absolutely brutal to go back to two weeks ago and just, you know, you're kicking yourself thinking about like, what was my logic here to not, to not inscribe one of these things. Right. <laughs> eternal, eternal pain, a uh, dog father, uh, what, what's good. And then we'll move on to some, something next. Yeah. I mean, shame on you guys, shame on you. And now we can talk about all the details and the signs, but look, if you had really looked at the inscriptions from the very first one, you would have known that this is a high quality, very important and super ambitious project. Check out the first inscription. Then you know that this is really a man of taste who did that. <laughs> a great artist. And, you know, you should have seen that. I mean, I should have looked at that as well. So I, a friend of mine was telling me what to do and was like, no, I'm busy. I have to do some IRL stuff. And, and then, you know, did that one or two days later. Big regret, man. Big regret. Yep. Yeah. Huge, huge regrets, man. Missing generational wealth consistently by, by the week. 
but trying to build generational wealth with Emblem Vault. So uh, some of the, some of the updates, I like that transition, right? Getting a little better every every single time. Uh, we've been uh, talking with with Shannon, who's the dev for Emblem Vault. Uh, he's working pretty hard to try to figure this out, um, to try to make improve the UX. I believe some of the labeling internally is uh, something that we're focused on. Uh, Adam's going to put out a few more pieces. Uh, we encourage anyone to reach out to us if you have any types of um, suggestions or comments on to improve it. It's kind of funny how this comes right as we're like about to launch curated collections. Because I had some people like, let's get this curated Bitcoin punks collection. I'm like, dude, we can't even get the first one out. <laughs> oh my God, right? We're almost there. But speaking of curated collections, the uh, <clears throat> we had a uh, an obstacle that I believe has been overcome. Um, so the Pepe's and Spells of Genesis will be uh, rolled out pretty shortly. I've been speaking with Pepe.wtf and then some of the potential uh, vaulters to try to encourage those who have large XCP assets um, to vault, maybe do some rewards in Coval to cover some of those gas fees, but that's going to be uh, a large priority. Um, I think, again, talking about the Bitcoin punks guy, um, getting those inscription numbers, I think will be next to, to try to label the metadata. But we have to just be concerned on scammers. As we know, those uh, they they live in the vaults, too, right? Or they, they try to find different maneuvers for it. But... Um, so just just very very open um, to that as well. Ordinals, man. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you guys like as soon as people realize that the like somebody was able to vault and sell for 0.6, you know, which is maybe like double the floor on ETH. Like you guys are. Uh, my prediction is over the next 48 hours, it's going to click for people, and people are going to be like, wait, I can just like vault it and send over here and like sell for twice the amount. Like it's it's going to come really fast when it yeah. comes. Is all I'm saying. So yeah, be, be be definitely looking out for that. Have y'all actually unvaulted one of these things to make sure that people can recover from the vault correctly? <clears throat> I, I haven't. I don't believe Adam has. I don't believe anyone has. I think from what I looked, there was only about four or five. Um, so when I woke up, I just saw the Bitcoin thing, the Bitcoin punk sale happen. Uh, I've been talking with Obi um, about it. Maybe we'll test through him because I don't own any ordinals. Um, I've just been watching and observing at the time. Uh, for those that are in here, uh, make sure you just retweet and follow Emblem Vault, the pin post at the top, talking about uh, some of the updates. That's where we're going to push through it. I believe, as you said, Leo, that, yeah, people are going to start figuring this out uh, quite quickly, and they're going to want to start selling it, um, and it can be pretty chaotic. So uh, safety is definitely first. I think something like even a, an ordinal uh, icon inside of the vault might even be, be an option. Uh, Shannon's looking pretty hard, but it's, I'm ready for it, man. <laughs> I mean, but it's, it, obviously it's really tough to do any sort of like curated collection because it's unlimited. Right. And you know, these are going to be, I mean, it's kind of like, we're going to have hundreds of thousands of, uh, ordinal mints over the next couple of weeks. Right. Um, so even though you can say, yes, this is an ordinal, right. I mean, maybe Shannon, Shannon should be able to figure out, okay, maybe we can link it to, you know, the, the ordinal on the ordinal website, which will again, but it's still, the person's still going to have to verify, right? They're still going to have to verify that it's the one that they're actually, you know, want. Um, as to your question about no, has anybody actually unvaulted one? Uh, no, I, I, you know, I was planning on getting with Shannon over the next day or so to, to make sure we can do that. Um, 
from a technical perspective, it should it shouldn't be a problem. I mean, we've talked to enough Debs to to say that that shouldn't be an issue. But you know, tech man, what shouldn't be an issue somehow becomes issues sometimes. But um, yeah, anybody any input from you know anybody in the audience or whatever who wants to give this a go and try it, um, you know, please reach out. Yeah, let us know. I mean, we're, we are working too on on getting uh, Casey and Shannon in, in a chat to kind of work through some of the some of the back end stuff. If there's anyone I trust to do this, I mean, it's Shannon. He was literally uh, worked at Mastercoin for those that don't know back in 2012. So he's been he's very familiar with proof of work and all of these um, very vintage. We'll call them vintage blockchains. Just keeping with the historical uh, narrative. He's been through this many, many times. He knows um, everything from proof of work to proof of stake. I think he just needs a few clarifying points to, to really get it done. Uh, Dogfather's got his hand up. Yeah, I mean, we, we all know. And uh, the first marketplace that is offering uh, a trustless way to trade those. And then, you know, um, in, in, in a way where you can verify what you're buying. I mean, this will this will create such a momentum. I mean, that would be really an amazing moment for Emblem Vault and also, of course, for the owners uh, in, in general and also for whatever collection that's covered first. I mean, that would be like um, unbelievable. I mean, that that can really be big. I, I, I know, you know, I know that you know, but I mean, just to to tell it again, I mean, that, that would be really something. Yeah, I mean, our DMs are open. I'm taking in tons of DMs, people asking. So uh the fact that Adam and, and Obi were on it in the beginning, um, putting out some content, we'll put some video stuff. I know it's all it's all complicated, but trying to organize it uh, is good. Shane Alexander says, Koval to the moon in the live stream. For those who don't know, you need 250 Koval to vault. Uh, I do believe it was up like 25% this morning or something like this. Maybe Koval becomes a proxy to just ordinals itself. <laughs> How funny. Uh, Flame, uh, welcome back. What's good? I just wanted to share this with you guys. If you're interested, I can pin the tweet. Um, but uh, for anybody who's a Gen Art fan out there, um, there's a name artist that already has uh, a collection of 10 pieces under the 10K mark. And uh, those are currently being auctioned off in a silent auction right now. I think the starting bid uh, is, uh, the minimum bid is 0.1 Bitcoin. So they're not inexpensive. Um, but the artist has done pretty well on other platforms. So I think that's a pretty interesting historical thing that's happening right now. Yeah, sure. P pin, it, pin it to the top. I'm interested to hear everything ordinals. Uh, so the top emblem vault sales of the week, uh, the highest sale this week was dash Pepe for 30 ETH, a very, very rare one. I think it's like less than 20 supply. Half an FD card from Spells of Genesis sold for 23 ETH. And then it was a Pepe sweep. Feels good man for 7 ETH. Pepe Gun, which is the guy that created uh, Avalanche for 4 ETH. Pepe Lisa, 3.2 ETH. UFO Pepe, first GIF on Counterparty, 2.6 ETH. And Green Beans, which is the fake rare created by Vincent Van Doe, the one who's taking Pepe's to the promised land. Wait, you said the, the Pepe Gun, the creator? Created Avalanche or the, yeah, the guy so, 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 No, so the creator of Abel, uh, Avalanche, uh, Sir Edmund, I forget what his actual name is. That's the Pepe card is just, it's the Pepe oh, okay. version of him. Gotcha. That is uh, the series one. So he, of course, he didn't create Avalanche in 2017 or 2016 when that card was made. Uh, he went on later. So that's, I think that's part of the reason why it sells so high is these guys 
that go on and if you're turned into a Pepe and then go on to do something successful, that card just goes to astronomical heights. Dash Pepe, I think it's just because it's like a, I think it's like a very, very low supply of like 20 or something like that. Uh, we do have Ethord on here uh, for the Ethord corner. For those that don't know, uh, Ethord covers uh, collecting in the real world as the show is all about collecting. We try to bring those parallels, right? We do got a lot of flippers out here that we discuss. We love prices, um, but the best thing to do in the NFT space, if you look, is actually just buy and hold, man. Those people who bought or who claimed CryptoPunks for free or got those Ether Rocks pretty low or even claimed those Mooncats for free back in 2017, man. Up six to eight figures doing that kind of stuff. So we, we do love the hype, but collecting is where it is at. So Ethord, I'll let you take this away and I'll follow along on the live stream. Great. Thanks, Jake. So yeah. This is Hoarder's Corner, a weekly segment that explores the world of physical collecting, digging into its history and exploring which characteristics drive value to see what parallels we can draw with historical NFTs. This week, we have a mammoth one. It's uh, Magic the Gathering. So after a couple weeks of uh, little smaller kind of collectibles and, uh, you know, jokes like Pogs and <laughs> Pez, this is, uh, this is more serious here. I know we've had a lot of exciting talk about ordinals, so I'll try to, it's, it, it goes deep, but I'm going to skip uh, some areas and, and just kind of cover the, the basis. But yeah, uh, as an aside, Magic the Gathering is culturally significant to so many things that succeeded it, uh, and crypto is no exception. We wouldn't have Mt. Gox, which if you don't know, the acronym actually comes from Mad Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. We wouldn't have Spells Genesis. We didn't have Spells Genesis. Maybe we wouldn't have Rare Pepe's or it would look very different. I mean, just in general, without Magic, um, the entire crypto space would, would be far different. So, um, and then I wanna start with uh, this quote I got from the Stockbrokers of Magic. This is a, a great article that Wire put out. Um, and it says, in 2017, after Bitcoin's first major spike, Cryptocurrency heads looking for a way to cash out began noticing the market for rare magic cards was another vehicle for investing. When the value of Bitcoin hit $17,000, a customer of magic retailer abugames.com called in to ask about three alpha black lotuses, which were $16,000 each at the time, and specifically whether they'd offer a discount if you bought in bulk. Uh, this particular gentleman who, who worked at ABU Games said, um, the way things were going with Bitcoin, I wouldn't be surprised if someone just took them all at a regular price. So we're not going to be going any lower uh, for any sort of discount. 15 minutes later, the guy called back and said, all right, I'm that guy. I'll pay you in Bitcoin. Give me all of them at, at 16 grand each. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it, they kind of, that just goes to show how they're kind of tied. They go hand in hand. Yeah. I, Magic the Gathering, man, is the OG uh, card collection. It's, I think some of the cards are selling for, yeah, astronomical prices. I don't know if you remember, there's a, <clears throat> excuse me, a crypto OG that goes by not so fast. He tried to actually burn uh, a, the Black Lotus card in some sort of like symbolical ritual and then mint it in shards as a token and magic the gathering actually sent him a cease and desist uh, <laughs> is that not true? Do it. i, I swear yeah 
I'll try and find. I'll try and find it while somebody is talking next. But this happened last year, or maybe two years ago. It was like during like peak mania of uh, of the NFT bull run. It was absolutely incredible. But yeah, they sent him a cease and desist because the card, I believe, was from like 1996 or 90, whatever, some sometime in the 1990s. And yeah, I guess he was just so public about it that uh, he wasn't able to do it and shut down the whole project that he was planning on doing. Crazy. That's super interesting. Yeah, shout out to Not So Fast. He's definitely an OG, and uh, and that's too bad he wasn't able to do that. <laughs> okay, so suggested media. Uh, I looked at a lot of different articles. I watched a couple of videos, but um, there's a there's an up and coming documentary which is interesting. It's a Kickstarter. It's not out yet, but it's supposed to come out this this year, and that does seem very interesting. Highly recommend checking out the Kickstarter. It's called Igniting the Spark. Um, and they have like a two minute trailer and they got all the main people in there. And it, it does seem more about kind of the background and, and coming to be because the other doc that I saw is all of, it's called enter the battlefield. It's available now on YouTube, but it's, uh, it's more about just the competitive aspect of it and how it's grown and, and, and less about the history. Um, and then there, there's a really good article as well called, uh, Spellcasters, a Magic the Gathering origin story. That's fascinating. If anyone wants to dig more than the couple bullet points I have for the origin, it's highly worth a read. It's it's fairly long, but it's uh, very interesting. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at this article, the print run calculations. Um, the alpha print run for Magic the Gathering was twenty six thousand sixty card starter decks and seventy thousand fifteen card boosters, which would equate to about two point six one million cards i guess in the first series um and so then it looks like you have 1008 rare cards 4529 uncommon 16003 commons and then it goes on and talks about all the different collections so as, as you have Ethorda, as you have done some research on this um i guess as from a personal standpoint did you collect any of these and what was uh the biggest finding uh, through this research maybe from a either a value perspective or, or a trend or uh, some sort of relatability to the NFT space? Yeah, I definitely, I collected, I was not, uh, I, I didn't keep going, but I grew up with magic gathering cards. I got a brother as a classic older brother too. He swindled me one time. I had a super rare called doppelganger and he, he convinced me to trade it for one of the most common shitty cards called that uh, fear. <laughs> the artwork would you like to trade that for some magic beans? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that one still stings to this day, uh, but I never had the alpha. So the additions, right? There's the alpha, there's the beta, and then there's unlimited. Those were the first three, and they're really all the same. They pretty much had the same cards with a couple of variances um, in like the powers, but it's the same set across, right? And uh, and so I started with the unlimited, which is when it really kind of more gained popularity. Um, but yeah, so to answer your question, I mean, really, it's all about the power nine uh, when we're looking at value and how we can equate it to historical NFTs. Uh, the power nine are nine cards. They're considered the most powerful cards in the game. Um, and what adds value, they hit all those, they hit all those notes, right? So it's all about addition, right? Alpha's the, their alpha is the best because it came first beta and then uh, unlimited and then rarity, right? So is it a rare card? 
there's no card in the in those early sets where they're like i'm only going to make one or 10 of these if it was a rare card which there was i think 170 rare cards or whatever uh they all had the same amount for alpha it was 1100 um per card and uh and then beta there's 3300 per card for the rares so yeah if it, it was a rare or a common or a land card that's how they split them up um and then utility right so since it is a game uh how op is the card in the deck yeah yeah so i actually just oops it's played in a tournament more then the cost to buy it would go up and it would it, even if it weren't a rare right um so all those played a, a factor and the power nine hit all three of those right um they're actually so powerful that they've all been banned from competitive play and of the nine cards the black lotus is the creme de la creme right that's the one that uh <laughs> i think even people that aren't too into magic are probably familiar with. It's got this elegant and simplistic art um, and something that's kind of serendipitous, right? In this world of monsters and magic and dragons, the uh, the most powerful card is, is literally a flower. <laughs> I actually just pulled, so I just pulled up the tweet I found from Not So Fast. It is the picture of the flower. It's from February... 26, 2022, it says, in case you missed it, the Lotus Keeper, which was which was the project he was planning on doing, uh, tweet late uh, last night, the legal team representing Magic the Gathering's intellectual property interest has contacted us, uh, making sure we do not infringe on it. They're enduring their work. And then it was shut down uh, shortly after that. So don't come after those collectibles, man. They're, they he are should, He should have done it on, uh, on Bitcoin. He could have made ordinals and then uh, <laughs> decentralized it, and there would have been nobody to sue, man. That would have been that. Ethor, <laughs> uh, just, to, just to amuse us, what was, what's the all-time uh, top sale of a Magic the Gathering card? Yeah, well, you probably guessed it. It's, it's the Black Lotus, and it actually sold uh, during the bull run, which goes into kind of what I led with, where when crypto's up, uh, magic is up. So in 2021, an autographed Perfect 10 Gem Mint uh, Alpha Lotus sold for $511,100. So you know, a little over half a mil. And one note too, with, with it being autographed by the artist and all you historical uh, art people probably get this. The the artist uh, actually passed away, I think, in the late 90s. So, you know, to have it autographed, I mean, there's never going to be any more autographs. Um, so that really sets it apart. However, if you just have a non-autographed Alpha Lotus that's not a perfect 10 or even a 9.5, I mean, the floor is about $60,000. It's about $40,000 for a beta, and it's about $25,000 for an unlimited Black Lotus. Ooh, he's 20 Bitcoin for a black Lotus, dude. What? Screw that. I want some Bitcoin punks, dude. I, I, know, I know where this train is going. I want my bags packed. So, Ethord, thank you for, for sharing that. Uh, I'm going to pass over to Dogfather, who's our counterparty and Doge Party resident. For those that don't know, yes, Bitcoin has had NFTs since 2014, and Dogecoin has also had NFTs since 2014, a lot of people don't realize that um, Dogfather was one of the, the OGs back in the, that day and uh, provides a lot of analytics. So I will pass it off to you, sir. Yeah, this week I had um, a thread on Space of Genesis and then you know, nobody was interested too much in that. <laughs> and, and everyone was just talking about Ordinus. So I'm, I'm really shy on, on talking about that. 
but if, if you like, it's my pinned tweet. You can have a look. Uh, I was just, um, you know, gathering uh, some 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 stuff about that and also before about um, the intersection of big rare artists and 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 rare peppy artists. And it's pretty interesting to see how many of the rare peppy artists are working um, on, on on the fake directory. And then also, you know, um, later, um, you know, I mean, the, the seals and, you know, the number of cards and so on. And you see these OGs are still pretty active uh, in the fake directory. And I think that, that that's pretty cool that you have, you know, um, let's say a modern uh, project where the OGs from back in the days are still active. And you also see that this is then also giving credibility for people like uh, Dimitri Chenia coming over and not just doing some ringers on, on ETH, but also doing a very cool fake um, cards, you know, some, some, some tech stuff, obviously, not just throwing a JPEG on a card. Uh, also bringing these people over um, to, to the fake directory. And so it's a very cool uh, combination of OG artists new and new kids you know joining and cool new artists and also very established and, and world-renowned artists joining um, a project and this is bringing a lot of eyes on on on, on the fake race so really looking forward to uh, the emblem world collection on that but also you know new collectors that learn about rare puppies and and also you know ape over there and i think that that that's i mean you, you cannot say that enough it, it, it's so cool to have skrilla doing that and um, with, the, with the fake wares and also now with uh, his music ordinals. Um, so pretty, pretty interesting. So just have a look. Yeah, we'll cover, the, I'll actually cover, cover the uh, Skrilla's auction for the low inscribed music NFTs that are gonna be, or music ordinals, I should say, that are happening on uh, Scarcity. I actually pinned to the top, I had the, the honors to interview one of the original Spells of Genesis artist uh, a very very insightful conversation of what it's like to create crypto art with an intentional project back in 2015 uh, some of those insights uh, might surprise you of how the artists were treated back then and kind of how bringing an artist like himself who had no idea what blockchain was into a project and kind of the the craziness that comes from it he also uh, is creating his own project called monster monster book um, to try to live on to uh, the vision highly suggested pinned to the top spells of Genesis, right? If there's going to be a trading card that trades similar to a black Lotus, it's probably going to be the Satoshi card or the FD card, uh, which Leonidas has as his PFP combined with a crypto skulls. So, uh, I don't know, Adam, did you get to, to listen to that at all? No, I haven't listened yet. It's interesting that, you know, people are picking up, what was it? The half, the FD card, mm -hmm. uh, this week. Um, you know, probably trying to assemble a full card, right? It's um, it's really interesting to see. I've seen some like quarter card trades and, you know, people selling individuals and stuff to see how kind of collectors are really trying to get that full card. Um, it, it's it's a super grail. Uh, and I think, you know, it's only going to be, it, it's kind of with my thesis of like curio cards as well, like the full set, you know, having that full card, um, as kind of a grail piece is uh, it's interesting to see people trying to, to get that together and, and looking at fractions as well, I can kind of assemble it this way and it might be cheaper than buying a straight up card. Full sets, the sets, that is the epitome of a collector, no matter what it is. I remember 
uh, right before I sold uh, my Mooncats at Sotheby's, I, I, I also self-created this, uh, what's called a full set of Mooncats, which is a Mooncat from every year, uh, because there is only three that exist in uh, 2020. So you can actually theoretically only have three, and I believe uh, Baki Puba has the other full set as well. So even just me stating that that could be a full set, somebody went afterwards to then go, I think it was like 40 ETH to go get uh, the full set. Uh, so there can be something inscribed, uh, pun intended, into um, any of these uh, collections. It's, it's how we work. We're weird, weird collectors. Jake, want- you still have that or you sold it or what was the deal? Like, how the hell did you track that? Dude, Jake's like- retired on an island in, yeah, in right? right now with that. That's amazing. <laughs> I did not know that. That's like, honestly, as a collector, yeah, I mean, that's like... I mean, that's, I don't know. That's like the coolest Mooncat thing I've heard. Yeah, it's so that's actually just for like a sidetrack. That's actually how I got in touch with Christie's was Noah saw that I had tweeted about it and he had tweeted at me uh, and replied um, that they were interested. So I was actually talking with Noah from Christie's when he was still there to actually auction that whole set there. Things kind of fell apart as uh, the NFT market kind of fell apart and stuff like that. But yeah, it's interesting. So there's regarding the 2020 Mooncat, there was one person owned two of them and they just one day randomly uh, had wrapped them on the uh, unofficial wrapper. So it was just kind of sitting out there in the wild mislabeled uh, for 15 ETH. And I immediately saw this and bought it immediately. And then uh, started realizing like, Oh crap, there's only three of these and there's only 71 2019 ones. So let me try to start acquiring those. And then one, one launch there. And so completed the set. Uh, had tweeted about it, and then uh, Baki, who those don't know, is a pretty, super OG NFT guy, first person to ever claim a CryptoPunk. Um, he actually claimed like a bunch of Mooncats too. Uh, a few months later, uh, he started. We started messaging about it, and he went and and bought it. I think the 2021 sold for like 30 ETH uh, at the time. There's actually one of uh, the other 2021 is unwrapped and has not moved from this person's wallet. We think as a community, this person has no idea that it even is in his wallet. They bought it off of the Mooncat Adoption Center during the rediscovery. And people have tried no, to get in. Oh, it's like gone. <laughs> people have tried to get into this person, tried to get in contact. I think somebody like sent an ENS asking to like purchase it. Some people have tried to go through the Etherscan messaging. Nobody has had uh, any, any luck trying to get in hold that this guy is probably sitting on six figures uh, in his wallet that he bought for, I think, like half an ETH during oh, the Moon Cat Rediscovery. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. So, I mean, if anyone could get that, that's uh, the third one is out there in the wild. But, uh, yeah, I have no intention to, to sell it right now. We actually call those 2021s the COVID cats. So they uh, only three from 2020. That's fantastic, and the, re- the reason why they're so scarce is the – Mooncat, or when when Ponderware had left uh, Mooncat Rescue, uh, the adoption center disconfigured with MetaMask. So you actually had to go into the contract in Mint, and of course they're free. So as they left in 2018, only 71 people went in and uh, minted in 2019. I think like half of that's from Midnight Lightning, who is the current IP owner of Mooncat Rescue. And then two people went in and, and claimed three between them for 2020. So <clears throat> some true autists out there just uh, experimenting with contracts. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. There was a, a thread that I wanted to bring in as well that I thought, thought was pretty interesting and it kind of relate to the uh, ordinal conversation. And it was posted by Punisher, who's our kind of like our resident name coin person. He put 
he put up this thread you can see on the video stream. Uh, it says, my love for historical collectibles is well known, but my favorite assets can be seen on his OS page. And he posed nine like unique uh, name coin and some Bitcoin assets. And this kind of goes into what I was saying earlier about how in 2011, you saw like this like kind of bull rush of people experimenting with with Namecoin, and then it kind of fizzles out until 2014 when people started putting images or JPEGs on the blockchain. But in the middle period, there's like these unique ones where it's like the first traded, uh, the first ever traded NFT. There's one that's a, a, a random Bitcoin image that looks like Batman. You actually had this, uh, which I think Leo actually owns one of these. Yeah, Leo's two. got one of those. <clears throat> the uh, Androidify, which was uh, Larva Labs avatar builder before CryptoPunks, uh, tokenized on on Namecoin, which I believe is actually the first PFP or one of the first ones on there, uh, right? So it says here that Androidify was a Web2 PFP app launched by Larva Labs in February 2011. In 2014-15, six one-name users, which was the DAP, tokenized Androidify, Androidifies on Namecoin, making these the first unintended LLL related collectibles. Mm -hmm. This one wears the iconic punk 3D mask. And there's actually like a, a awesome, awesome thread by it, which I'll, I'll pin when I'm done talking. And you see this one called Namecoin Files, which was in 2014, which talks about storing files on chain. And uh, you have like Steven Volgaire's work, which I believe was on, on Bitcoin. Uh, Ethereum.bit was registered in 2014, which actually was like before it even had launched to the mainnet. Uh, Ethereum.bit was created on Namecoin three weeks before Ethereum was publicly announced in the project dev uh, and 19 months before Ethereum Genesis block. So somebody was ahead of the game. You have the the on-chain file fuck yeah.bit, which is the, uh, the stick figure, the meme, but it's uh, pretty, pretty aw uh, awful <laughs> pixelation and radio.bit. And the reason why I bring this up is because I think that there's going to be something similar like this within the, um, it's going to be similar within the ordinals where once this hype period dies down, we're going to see some real small, unique innovations, probably people just experimenting mm -hmm. um, that'll happen. And uh, it, that, that's kind of like what I'm looking out for. Sure. Uh, Adam, what, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? Well, my first thought is Punisher has the sickest, like, I would love to have that collection, man. I was just like, I think I tweeted back, like, dude, this is like the flexiest flex tweet thread ever, dude. It's like, hey, guess what? I got like 10 grails. Here they are. <laughs> you know, it's like, Jesus Christ, man. Uh, it's pretty awesome. And, but yeah, I think that's, it, your point is is well taken. Um, and we've seen it across different blockchains. Who was the first to do this? Who was the first to do that? And Punisher's thread kind of highlights a bunch of stuff on Namecoin. But yeah, who's, uh, and I think we've already seen it to a degree, right? Who's going to do the generative stuff? Who's going to do, uh, and, and we were in the, the, the Ordinals Discord, like who did the first trade? What was the first trade? Who did the first, you know, um, transfer? Who did the first sale? You know, they were kind of, we were kind of documenting it in real time because we've seen this play out before as to what collectors are going to kind of value. And so uh, I think it's happening right now. That's funny. Now we've got the infrastructure set in place. We know how to track all of it. Uh, it's crazy to, you could be an archaeologist in real time. In uh, real time archaeology. <laughs> real, uh, how funny. Uh, Meefs, you have your hand up for the first time. Uh, GM, welcome to the show. And what's on your mind? Hey, GM, GM. Um, really loving the uh, combo here. 
I was uh, curious if um, there was a resource for like onboarding to Emblem or uh, showing, you know, just how it works. Um, I'm curious or, or like I'm familiar with the concept of uh, vaulting, but um, and, I, and I, I kind of get where these two technologies uh, mesh uh, well together. But yeah, I'm just kind of curious about how to like even onboard to uh, Emblem Vault. And uh, thank you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So you're talking to the to the right two people that that work at Emblem, Adam and myself. Uh, first, it depends on like which blockchain you want to use. But if you go to the Emblem Vault uh, websites, emblem.pro, um, you'll see there's a YouTube and a Medium. And we have uh, about 20 different videos and a Medium post detailing specifically how to vault an asset for Counterparty, Namecoin, Doge Party, and MonaCoin, how to unvault them. Uh, how to uh, safely uh, verify assets and purchase them on OpenSea, and uh, how to sell them as well. It's once you once you kind of learn the process, it's it's quite simple. And Adam also put out a thread today. Um, two different people, Adam and Obi, on uh, how to vault ordinals in a vault safely. Um, Adam also put a thread, which I believe is pinned to the top somewhere, on how to verify that it is an ordinal. Um, we're in the process of figuring out unvaulting safely. Uh, and we have the dev uh, of Emblem Vault is working on uh, adding um, optimized a UX, I guess you could say, to figure it out um, and some of the other uh, processes as well. Um, yeah, or oh, just feel free to DM. I mean, after you've gone through some videos and stuff, um, if you have any other questions, just give us a shout. Just shoot us a DM. Yep, the pin to what Adam just put, which is the Emblem Vault wiki page um, on Leonidas's nfthistory.org is a good start. And then uh, go to the Emblem Twitter account. You'll find a lot of stuff on there. But also just feel free to reach out to Adam or myself and we can help you with anything specific. Or do appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, no problem. Uh, Truth's got his hand up. Uh, GM. Appreciate you guys for uh, having me up. Um, quick question. Great conversation, man. It's always a pleasure being on stage and listening to you guys uh, put in this knowledge, man. It's it's really a blessing to see people pioneering this. So for, for a quick question, it's I was up last night and I was just messing around with my Ledger wallet or my cold storage Ledger, Nano X. And I was just like thinking like, man, how can I send Satoshis to this thing and just have one ordinal on here? And I, I couldn't figure it out. But I wanted to see if there's anything related to that right now. I was, yeah, go ahead, Jake. I was just going to say, Adam probably has more information. I saw some people tweeting about this that you can. I'm uncertain what the actual uh, procedure is. Maybe Adam can provide that. Yeah, I mean, I, I did tweet. If you check my thread from some, or check my tweets maybe from last night, uh, I retweeted a, uh, a friend of mine who was talking about um, Sparrow Wallet and then with some other uh, wallet system where you could actually mint the ordinals and stuff. Um, before you spend any money, if, if you don't want to use Emblem to acquire an ordinal uh, and you're going to do OTC trades or even you want to cre create some yourself, I would, you know, do, do it that way, which is like, you know, you can use your ledger, create the Bitcoin wallets to transfer maybe uh, if you want to transfer Bitcoin, you can transfer that directly into the Sparrow wallet or the other wallet for creating uh, the ordinals. But just look through my thread or through my tweets and you'll see what I put out there. 
Um, so you can play around with it. It shouldn't be that difficult. Like if you're using Ledger, look, you can transfer, uh, if you have Ethereum, you can transfer it, you know, swap it for some, a small amount of Bitcoin and try it out yourself and, and play around with it. Yep. Yep. I was just thinking based off like the valuation. So if I happen to lose it, I mean, I'm just going to mint some random ordinals uh, right now to see, or, or inscriptions right now to see if uh, it'll work out. But yeah, thanks man. Appreciate you. Yeah, it, it's, I, w- I would say that I'm actually going to do it myself after, after this stream so I can write some how to's and stuff to help people out. Um, yeah. I'd say just small amounts, mint stuff. That's just nothing just for you to kind of have for yourself, play around with it. And make sure you record those videos for us too. Uh, even the, <laughs> even the bloopers of trying to inscribe something fifty times, uh, so you can't figure it out. I suspect that's probably what's going to happen uh, now. Is you're going to just see a lot of random inscriptions over the next few weeks, which is just people f- toying around with it and trying trying to figure it out. Because that's going to be me. Uh, did you have to? Uh, did you? Are you running a full node now, or are you doing it a different way, Adam? No, my computer gave up <laughs> the ghost. My my computer was like, sorry. Sorry. I mean, it was just no way. I was literally getting the spinning wheel of death, which I I haven't gotten like five years on a computer. Um, So yeah, no, that computer, it's not going to work. And I I, I actually feel like the tech in just a couple of weeks is going to not need the full node, right? Like people are going to figure out ways to do this. I mean, they kind of already have, right? Um, So yeah, I don't think I'm going to run the full node because uh, you know basically i need to buy a new computer that's uh, what it boils down to well adam this you might actually find this interesting um there is a hack that people are doing i haven't actually done it myself but uh i probably will end up doing it you can go to the aws marketplace and somebody has like a full node basically already set up all the tooling you just basically deploy it on the aws so obviously oh, nice. the owners aren't happy with me saying this but you know it'll be ready in 30 minutes so oh. Where's yeah. the how-to for that, man? Where's the how-to? <laughs> no, I mean, just to give you guys an example of what I tried to do, which was basically because my computer didn't have enough hard drive space. Like it had only like, I don't know, 450 gigs available. And so I, you know, I talked to Casey and Casey was like, oh, just get an external, you know, just make sure it's SSD. So I went out, bought an expensive external hard drive here in Costa Rica, paid like triple what you guys pay in the States. You know, spent two days downloading it onto the external drive. Then I spent like two full days with people in the Discord trying to get that external drive working. Failed. Then reported it back to my computer after wiping like almost all my stuff off my computer. So I had enough free space to run the node on my computer and then proceeded to spend like another four days failing to get it working. So that was my process. Uh, which I would not recommend. <laughs> I believe I believe running a full node right now is about 550 gigabytes. So uh, for most computers, that's literally half or uh, or even full if you're just on the on the basic account for Leo, it. Can we expect that at how to Amazon Web Service uh, one? Can we expect that uh, up and running? Are you going to give us the how to later today? Um, maybe yeah, potentially we'll see. I, I yeah, I'm not sure if I'll get to it today, but yeah, shortly. I really am hoping that like the full node thing is like going to be like one or two more weeks. Um, you know, the, the fact that there's three, I think two or three of these drag and drop, uh, you know, two click inscribing things, you know, I'm pretty sure we're going to see a wallet uh, pretty soon here. So then that meets the basic criteria because it's not like the, 
there's a marketplace associated, you know, with with having a full node. So it's really just you can receive now without a full node. You can inscribe now without a full node. So it's really for most people, it's just the sending. And it's it's hard for me to believe that we're not going to have somebody working on a wallet um, and, and it's going to come out very, very shortly. Yeah, I think I think I saw a few ordinal wallets pop up on the various spaces. Um, so they've at least got a Twitter account uh, running for that. It's going to be an interesting week, man. Uh, I feel like we've been the last three uh, Friday shows have just been like Bitcoin NFTs and ordinals. Uh, hopefully, this shifts over to to Pepe's once we get these curated collections launched. That's what I'm most excited for. Um, imagine having. Just emblem vaults, just literally like fifty different collections in the top one hundred. How salty would the the ETH maxes be? <laughs> it was just all Bitcoin NFTs that are just in the. Dude, <laughs> in the if, if you guys have ordinals and rare Pepe's taking over OpenSea, there's going to be some ETH maxes that are best. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, somebody put out a tweet. It was like ordinals are perfect because they piss off all the maxis. <laughs> 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 it pisses off the Bitcoin maxis and the ETH maxis. It's just like the perfect, uh, it's the perfect storm. Yeah, I have to say, uh, Casey as a founder, uh, even though, you know, he's a Bitcoin dev, I think lives in San Francisco, which is like where most of them live. Uh, he seems pretty open to other technologies. He did give Emblem a little bit of flack in the beginning. I don't think because he, he thought we were a bridge, um, but he seems a little bit more open-minded or maybe just Adam shook some sense into him. No, I don't think so, man. I think he's uh, I do think he's a good dude, uh, no doubt about it. Um, but he's got his beliefs, man, and his belief is code is lo- like law kind of thing. And if, if you can't prove that this code is unbreakable, I don't trust you, you know, which is fine. Like, I totally, I totally get it. And... Um, so yeah, I think we got some convincing to do. I mean, we'll never convince him fully because it's not like a fully decentralized uh, system. So it is what it is. But no, I, I think he's a good, a good dude. Although he he hit, he can hit rough, right? His video talking about you know counterparties mm. bullshit and you know that hit a lot of people wrong, including myself. But um, you know, Maxi's going to be Maxi's. You know, you just got to kind of enjoy it for what it is. True, true, true. So as we as we close this out, uh, one final conversation I want to think is uh, what what do we think is next for ordinals? We saw when you look through the history of uh, NFTs, you see mostly it begins with ID identity protocols, and then avatars. This one it seems a little bit flipped, where it's avatars and images. And I've heard a few different people approaching uh, creating different ID- identity systems on there. Uh, so, oh, Skrilla has do, is doing a auction. I don't know if it's today or next week. Um, he put some of Wednesday. You guys should probably pay attention because um, this will be probably a decent auction. So on Wednesday, there's going to be a ton of collections um, being auctioned by Scarce Dot City, and pretty much every major collection or anything interesting on Ordinals is probably doing uh, part of that auction, and that'll be a fun thing to. Uh, just i don't know if you're not gonna buy just kind of watch it go down i'm sure it'll be kind of fun yeah. i saw scare city was having a, a a space with casey um probably that day or the next day yeah so um yeah that, i think that's coinciding yeah uh, adam do you want to describe to them what scare city is some people don't even have any any idea uh, what it may be maybe you're better at I, I mean honestly it's like a telegram run you know i, I or, or they have the website don't they um so, um, but it's, it's an old uh, auction house kind of thing. And so 
they do these auctions. Uh, I want to say it, it's maybe the longest running kind of auction house for digital collectibles. You're, thinking, you're thinking about Roaring. So that's Roaring. Oh, I'm Ox. sorry. That's Roaring. There's a few of them. Yeah. So you have uh, Theo Goodman's uh, one. I think it's called like the OG Bitcoin auction house. You have Roaring Auctions, which has been doing Pepe and XCP that's auctions it. since yeah. January 2017. Scarcity, they started off in 2019 selling physical uh, Bitcoin art, right? So I think like crypto graffiti and a bunch of these other individuals are doing like Bitcoin pillows and Bitcoin art and all this different stuff that you could purchase in Bitcoin. And then in 2021, they integrated the Lightning Network so you can buy and sell uh, counterparty assets and they do unique curated auctions. So they're truly like one of the the OGs in the space, uh, at least when it comes to like Bitcoin markets. They're, they're highly trusted. Um, I think most projects actively work with them. I pinned to the top Skrilla's tweet about his music, uh, Ordinal. Uh, of course, he's always super far ahead of the game. These Pepe guys are always, always into it. Uh, so that'll be quite interesting. Uh, but but Leah, what, what do you think is going to happen for Ordinals over the next few weeks? Do you think we see any types of uh, innovation? It seems like music, uh, maybe third. Uh, do we think there's any other categories that may pop up? Yeah, so it's really interesting. Like in the short term, we basically have like somebody basically took super rare and put it on Bitcoin. It's like there's a lot of one of ones that are it's as a collector that's like super interesting, right? But the the thing that got me most excited over the past few days was that, you know, Bitcoin punks mint mechanic, you know, not necessarily like just the collection itself, just that like the idea that, you know, instead of prior to that basically it was dev goes manually inscribes 100. It's a huge pain. They created Discord. They manually have to message to like 100 people and they each manually send. They verify. It's a whole thing. And it's like it takes days and days to mint a 100 piece collection. It's totally unsustainable. Right. But with the with the way the CryptoPunks did it, you can basically just and I talked to the I don't want to spill the beans too much, but like those the two guys behind that website, like they understand that you can apply the same technique to other collections and then to quote unquote mint a collection to create a collection. Literally all you have to do is upload, you know, 10,000 images to the site. And then there's like a page that says, Hey, this is a collection. It's all done on web too. Okay. It's super easy. Anybody could create a collection. And basically if you're able to convince people that there's something valuable in that, you know, you would probably mint some of the rares and like, mint some of the first ones yourself so that you're taking a stake but then it's essentially just a free mint where everybody will do all the work to mint for you and there's no distribution because it's, it's like straight to your wallet to me that model is like infinitely better than whatever's going on with these like discords with 100 supply because 100 supply isn't like that popular of a collection size on eth i don't really imagine it would be like the kind of optimal size here either it's just because it's literally too much of a pain in the ass to operate manually sending a thousand of these things out so i think it's super cool that uh like to me that was a pretty much an innovative moment and my guess is that tech is going to get replicated uh, by hundreds of other collections over the coming months yeah yeah we're gonna see a lot of plug and play uh Meef's had his hand up first and then we'll go to truth right after yeah i just um <clears throat> speaking to things that are coming next in terms of like i guess a meme or an aesthetic that i've been seeing out there uh, for better or worse, like people like the check mark, 
you know, it seems. And um, just to, I just called attention to someone's post. Um, there's um, a post that was out there where they're talking about like gamifying them or making it programmatic, you know, so that the check marks now become um, akin to like a QR code where they could have like a second layer or second order of info that's kind of like baked into them, um, either, you know, predetermined or programmatically, you know, however it gets done. But um, there's something to consider that you could see a wedding of generative projects, um, current, you know, memetics or current meme culture, and then um, this new sort of way of uh, transacting um, within the next co coming weeks. So something to look out for. Give me some good old Bitcoin generative art. Let's see. Uh, I do want to note too, I, I pointed this out. Isn't it interesting how <clears throat> when ETH was first created, it was Bitcoin, it was basically Bitcoiners going and taking Bitcoin art and tokenizing it onto Ethereum. And then, and then in the early Ethereum NFT days, right, it's the same thing. The Bitcoiners are taking the Bitcoin culture and putting it into curio cards and crypto cards. And now it's the opposite again, right? Now a new innovation on Bitcoin and Ethereum's taking their culture and then putting it on Bitcoin. So it just like continually just goes back and forth. Uh, but it's only between these two chains. The other ones is, uh, the other all L1s are the ones that are trying to take Ethereum culture and try to mint it onto their smart contract. So that was just uh, something... Uh, that I had, that was interesting that I had noticed. Uh, Truth was next, and then we'll go to Mafiko. Yeah, uh, to speak on the future, possibly, these are just some ideas, but I was thinking about different types of um, ways to either mint NFTs on different chains or utilizing different protocols. And I, personally, I'd love to see somebody or something, uh, even myself, I mean, I just haven't had the time, but to utilize manifold ethereum nfts to somehow bridge on chain monkey is like killing it right now with their pioneering but i'd love to see personally like an experience where it's like a, a virtual gallery experience with with all of these chains because it's so it's so, it's so rudimentary to see like so many people either talking about certain chains as if they're maxis on either one but it's all the same technology and so just one of them is being built right now which is really cool to see but it's like people are missing the point here there, there's so much you can actually innovate and create leonidas said it best with the website i mean that was just the first experience and it was really basic it's just really thought out experience on an experience which is really cool but can you take it further on chain monkey's doing great with with what they're doing with the first ordinal 10k pfp which is really lit but I mean, how far can you actually push this on a generative level? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and with rare Pepe's, you see some of, uh, in the fake rares, there were some generative uh, fake rares. Uh, Dimitri Cherniak had done one. But then I don't think it's like a complete, like, through-to-through -through, uh, generative to mint. I believe you have to do the generative art and then mint the token. So there's, not, it's not a completely automated um, fully through, but yeah, I'm, I am excited to kind of see that as well. Uh, Mifiko, uh, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, talking about, um, the, the future, uh, reading the, the sort of the ordinals, um, the, the document and, and how it's been there, they've been sort of positioned around digital artifacts 
compared to versus NFTs. I think it's a really important distinction for the type of projects that may will sort of manifest on the Ordinals protocol compared to to other chains. And and uh, with that, the key thing being around royalties. And so reading through it, I was like, wow, okay. So really being clear that uh, there's sort of no royalties with 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 Ordinals protocol. Being very clear that it's you know p- permissionless. I think long term, what we're going to see is a divergence around this positioning around you know ordinals being per- permissionless assets, uh, natively uh, secured by 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 uh, by Bitcoin compared to other chains like Ethereum. But I think from the artist side, and we've seen these conversations around royalties, how important they seem to be for artists. It'll be just interesting to see where artists go and in terms of their communities and, and, and who they have in the communities, uh, whether or not if they're very much focused on, you know, permissionless crypto native people, then it seems to me natural that they'll go to to, to, to the Ordinals protocol and, 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 and mint there. But if they're less native to, to crypto coming in, it seems to me that they're likely going to go elsewhere given that sort of permission or that mechanism around royalties uh, may not be there. So I think that's going to be a bit of the distinction uh, from from my perspective. Yeah, I, I think uh, this is just my own speculation. I wouldn't be surprised to see XCOP you go and do some inscriptions as uh, somebody who was doing uh, NFTs on a scribe, right? So he actually started on Bitcoin himself uh, back in, I don't know, was it 2016 or 2017? Um, so I think you'll see some large, some large prominent ETH artists probably start inscribing and then that will bring over the flood of all the other artists. Uh, like the Pepe community, for example, they they have never had royalties. That's why with Curated Collections, we're trying to give them royalties, um, which is just a whole monster within itself to di- divide that up between 300 different people. But uh, th- I think it's just the Bitcoin ethos is they've never really had it. So they aren't really uh, pushing it forward. They just, I think right now they just kind of want to have fun on it. But that I think that debate will probably happen at some point once you get more of those ETH artists uh, moving over there because they're used to royalties and they see some of the other popular ones doing it. They're going to say, oh, how do we bring this over here? How it's going to be done? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see if like even some OG, uh, you know, if, if Crypto Graffiti, you know, puts out a couple of NFTs or something or his artwork on on ordinals, uh, you know. It's there's just so much uh, room for for stuff to happen here. It's going to be exciting to see how it plays out. Yeah, crypto graffiti and X copy would be my two picks to be the first large uh, NFT artist to come over and start doing their own project on it. But but who really knows, man? Who really knows? We've been going at this for for two hours, man. Ordinals has been going on literally the whole entire week. It'll probably take over next week. I uh, appreciate everyone for coming on and doing this. Show's getting bigger. We're having more fun. We're building some cool tech out here. We're having some great conversations. It's a little bit of the counter to what you see of the Web3 people just wanting to shit on each other, talking about <laughs> the drama and who's flipping and watching floor price. We get to have some some cool intellectual conversations here. Uh, Adam, any final words? And I'll pass it off to the spaces. Um, I, I can't share details yet, but literally as we're having the show, we, we've sold some more... Um, uh, Bitcoin punks. So they're on the move. They're on the march. Uh, it is, it's a market that is going a little bit crazy right now. So, um, 
But be careful out there, guys. There's no. Is that, is that on OpenSea or those are OTCs? These are these are OTCs. They're they're larger trades. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, these are larger um, high end collections. So uh, we'll see how it goes, man. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. God, I, I faded generational wealth again. I saw it again, it's, bro. Uh, I said, Nah, I'm good, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass on charm, this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pass on this one. I'm too lazy. Uh, anybody on stage? Any follow awards before we close up? All right. All right, all right. All right, guys. Well, uh, I'm going to be closing up over here. You can hang out for a few seconds before I close it up. Feel free to shoot us a DM with any questions, and uh, we'll see you in the Twitterverse. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.